Ryan here and welcome to Prepare Like a Pro live chats. My name is Jack McLean and I created Prepare Like a Pro earlier this year. I'm a strength and conditioning coach and if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, I'm based in Melbourne but I also can work remotely uh, and I'm working with athletes all around the country structuring their off-season, pre-season and season strength and conditioning programs. I specialize at customizing my strength and conditioning programs for the individual. And if you're interested to find out more information or to download my free training programs, head over to my website, preparelikeapro.com. I'm excited to catch up with Bruce Connor tonight. Bruce is a very well experienced physio working in the AFL. He owns a clinic, the Windy Hill Sports and Spinal Clinic, which he's run for the last 26 years. And he's worked in the AFL for over 30 years, spending 25 years as, a, the, as part of that time as head physio at the Essendon Football Club, as well as, here he is, I'll invite Bruce now, as well as working at the Hawthorne Football Club for the last eight years. And that's where I was lucky enough to meet Bruce. I'm just sending him an invite now. And Bruce is actually back at Essendon Football Club as of next season, for, so for season two to 21. G'day, Bruce. How you going, mate? Jack, how are things? Well, yourself? Yeah, good. You haven't been embarrassed me with the intro, have you? I didn't throw in the seven time. Oh, that, wasn't, that wasn't the purpose. I wasn't, I wasn't getting you to lead into that, but anyway. On that <laughs> note, I forgot, to, I forgot to ask you earlier today, have you, being serious, have you, have you been involved in a loss? A final loss. Yeah. Yeah, two, two, three. Two, three. And no, have you been involved in... Ten. Yeah, 80, 82, uh, 90, when would break their drought, which was a seriously painful day, and 2001, when we got beaten by Brisbane. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, there you go. So, geez, 10. Have you met someone who's won more than seven, been involved more you know, in a club? Now, listen, I'm, one, one's a bit extreme. I've, I was very unfortunate to be in, in the right place at the right time, I think. Anyway, yeah, Barry Gavin from Hawthorne was a physio who uh, was involved in seven premierships. He's, he's uh, passed away, unfortunately, but he was a great man and he was with Hawthorne through, through an amazing period of their history. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, well, thank you for tonight, mate. Really Pleasure. Looking Thanks to for having this me. Chat. And I'd like to start back at the start, mate. So, you know, as, a, as someone that, you know, back at the start before you did your degree, when did you decide that you were going to be a physio? And, and at that time, did you know you were going to work in the AFL? There was a defining moment, actually. I sprained my ankle playing physio and spent considerable time talking to them while I applied interferential to my ankle <laughs> and, then wandered out, and then wandered out of the room, leaving with a, me with an anatomy book to read. And look, seriously, it sprung, the, the springboard was from there. So at the end of it, I was, I, when I walked into that physio clinic, I was going to be an architect. And, uh, and to finish my treatment, I wanted to be a physio. And I went back to school and the careers counselling lady in no uncertain terms told me I wouldn't get the marks and I might, might as well forget about it. And, uh, and so that made me somewhat, gave me a focus to study, shall we say. And uh, here we are. But, but yeah. then I, after that, once I got into the physio course, so at that point, I didn't necessarily think it was going to be a footy thing. And then when I got into the, um, into the course, a colleague of mine went and uh, got a job at Fitzroy Footy Club as a trainer. And uh, he said, look, it's a, great, it's a great environment, great learning. And so I went and just did the same at Essendon because I was an Essendon supporter at the time and walked in there and said, I'm a, I'm a second year, third year physio student. 
you got any jobs for trainers and that's where it all started fantastic have you um seen that physio that treated your ankle and uh got you on this journey have you seen him oh, since? not not or recently do you know but I, cer I certainly saw them yeah yeah and thank them thank thank them uh thank them from the bottom of my heart because it was really it really was a defining a, a defining time yeah first experience with the physio that was the first time you met yeah or had ex yeah treatment yeah fantastic. yeah 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 it was yeah i saw that yeah and your friend that was at fitzroy so he was sort of planted to see to to then experience sport as a physio at that time you were thinking more clinic were you or the clinical side of it oh yeah i was halfway through the course and and to be absolutely honest the first two years of the course were very science-based so it was i was i was a long way from being in the field and he sort of said we got talking and he said oh if you want to fast track you know this stuff in the classroom is boring if you want to get out into the field go and be a trainer at a footy club and mm. uh there's plenty of footy clubs who want trainers but you know it was to just walk into an afl club was just unheard of and they, i was yeah, just right. lucky right place right time spoke to the right people and you know next thing you know for the so for the last two years of the physio course i was actually a trainer at essendon yeah and, and then, uh, the amount of experience i got there was enormous and it was your so two years yeah as trainer and then your third year so your third year at essendon you became a physio yeah. when you finished your degree yeah so it's actually one of the questions you 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 put to me was um what advice have you got for for youngsters who might be wanting to get involved yeah. and uh, now's as good a time as any to to talk about it i guess but yeah definitely. you know that is that is the way to do it i mean you'll learn you'll learn a fair bit in a classroom but not nearly as much as you will in the field the thing you've got to try to dampen down is your expectations in terms of earning money you've got and and, and do stuff whether it's with an amateur club or a or a vfl club if you can get a job with a vfl club or just a local club the more especially with in melbourne where there's so much footy and netball played just just getting experience in the field is is the big career and unfortunately a lot of people say to me what what have i got to do who have i got to talk to and i say i'll give them the same answer just just go out and spend time people competing injured hook up with people who've got experience so you can discuss stuff with them and yeah. you know treat it like some sort of internship that you have to in yourself and yep. that's the probably the most valuable thing you can do because the undergraduate course will teach you only so much but after that you've just got to get out and experience stuff did you so when you reached out to Essendon, did you show up to one of their training sessions or how did you go about it no i actually knew some people at the club because that, at that time the you know the age of the players and it was quite a local club and they still had i knew who right, to talk yeah. to i knew yeah, i knew yeah. the head i knew the head trainer who was making the appointment and i just contacted him directly it worked yep, out well yep. yeah definitely oh, absolutely yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and trainer to physio what physio's involvement then was it part-time and is that when you started the the clinic how did it all work how, what was life looking like um, yeah so so that the, back then physios were very much off-site sultans who people would go and see at their clinics until i started when a physio called paul lou who i who i owe a lot to he got appointed as physio at Essendon and he it, his, it was his view that a physio should be at the club and be at games and become more involved in stuff you know as it was happening yeah sure and so that was 1981 and that was the the transition between physios being purely off-site consultants to starting to become directly involved and I was fortunate enough to be with him yeah and after a couple of years of being a trainer he then and, and, and when I qualified 
he wanted an assistant. So I was actually assistant to him for several years before I then got a, a physio job per se. But really, you know, they were just titles at the time. I mean, the fact, the fact of the matter is we were earning, we were earning virtually no money. So yeah, it, right. was as if, it was as if by being called a physio, you got a heap more money. It was just a, a title really. So it was, it was again, a fortunate time because Paul was a fantastic mentor and very keen to educate me and I was happy to learn. So, and we were in, in a, a VFL club at the time and there was a fair bit going on and it was just, you know, a perfect learning environment. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was so, great. So the, so around 1980s, a physio wouldn't commonly be at a game. They might be a qualified physio, but they're a trainer. Is that how it worked? No, often the they weren't. Or... No, often they weren't physios there at all. There was just right. a head trainer and a doctor, and the doctor would usually be in a suit and tie, who'd end up in civilian gear and not do much, except have plenty of beers after the game with the boys. Yeah. And 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 the second after, so that was then after Paul Lou started in '81, and with and I did. Then the year yeah. after that was when Bruce Reed and Ian Reynolds and those guys who lasted years right. and years and years joined joined Essendon, and they were the sort of first, particularly Bruce really as well. Gotcha. So okay, you know, it, it was it was a great time to be involved, honestly, because because yeah. that stuff was just evolving quickly, and you had people like Reedy and Paul Lou who were very keen to be involved at at the coalface when up till then they hadn't been. Right, and then did many other clubs follow suit within a season, or did yeah. it take? A oh, gee, I don't know. A lot of them, a lot of them were relationship because they weren't paid much. A lot of them were just relationship based things. Yep. I can't, I can't tell you what the sequence was at other clubs, but it happened pretty quickly. So by the end yeah. of the eighties, by the by the mid to late eighties, which is when I joined the AFL Physio Association, there were physios employed to be club physios at virtually every club. Then, right? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Well, so, so it's changed a fair bit over the years. Oh. The, the Ridiculous. prep and yeah and yeah, yeah yeah would you say there's been more growth from the 80s to the 90s in in systems and and staff involved than from the 90s you know 90s to 2000 or oh no so through the 90s was the, the 90s and early 2000s was the big growth period because that's when they started employing full-time staff so 1996 was right. the first first full-time strength and conditioning coach yeah and then by 19 well, i don't know 97 98 were full-time physios and then and then so once all those people were in place they started to you know grow into the roles and so by the late 90s early 2000s was when a lot of the systems we now work with were being put in place the analysis the the, the uh, players were coming full-time so you had access to them during the day yep. and 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 things really took off through that 10 years probably from 95 to 2005 i reckon 2004 yeah, sure. And how would, how would it work when the players were coming out to see you in the clinic? Would they pay normal rate? Was it part of the package that they get free sessions or? Yeah, that's a good question. It varied. Some, some yeah. cleared them whatever their private insurance rebate was. Yep. Some didn't charge them at all and it was part of their contract. Some charged them the full amount and they it just would depend on what arrangement you had with the club or, you know, how generous you yeah. felt, I guess. Yeah. But sure. after, okay. but by the, by the, by the two, yeah, by the end of the, by the end of the nineties, all those services pretty much in being offered at the clubs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And through your experience, you know, you've seen a lot of successful teams and clubs. Have, has there been like a trend or, or things along that you, that you could almost look at a team that you think that they're, they're on the right road? Or, or is it, does every premiership a bit different and they go about it differently? Yeah, sometimes you wonder whether, 
which comes first, the chicken or the egg. But yeah. the, pretty much the consistent, the consistent pattern with the successful teams has people in all the various roles have worked in a sort of collaborative, respectful manner so that you got the best, the best outcome by having input from everybody and having it well coordinated in the support staff area. I mean, the teams had very good players too, by the way. So yeah, you can have course, the, the yeah. best medical staff you like. But if, so, you know, do, does success breed harmless or does, the, does it go the other way around? Well, I think it's a bit of both. Yeah. But there's, a, there's been a consistent theme of, you know, work in the support team that has been associated with every successful team I've been, we've been with. And, uh, and that's, that's without fail. And if, and if that's not happening, then that disharmony sort of filters into the whole place, really. And does that, how does that create it? Like, I guess that, yeah, some people might, you might call that culture. Um, yeah, it's a good, that, that's a good point because some teams are trying to build culture now. It's created by getting the right people in the, right, in the key spots and having them set the tone and, and work out, you know, what consistent sort of it is required and then have everybody meet that standard and interact, interact sort of in a respectful way. So it's, it's not an easy thing to reproduce, mind you, yeah. because there's so many people involved now that it only, two, takes one, it only takes one person to break that chain and the harmony's lost. Right, okay. So, yeah. yeah, and so I think the most important thing is knowing people, knowing people and knowing how well they've worked in other environments and getting good people in. Yeah, and, you know, like developing footballers, is what would you say are some important things for a young footballer either they, they're working towards getting into the AFL system or, or maybe they're, they're about to get drafted in the next couple of weeks what are some important things to, for their body that you've seen that's a good question I mean firstly getting a reputation for being a guy who works hard in a team and I know this is not physical yeah but that question is asked so much when people start talking about who's going to join your club not just as a staff member but as a player too so the yeah. first thing you don't want to do is develop a reputation for being somebody who's going to upset the apple cart. So yeah. working well in a team and having people look at you and say, yeah, he's a good bloke to have in this club is a, is a very good start. Because if you're line ball with somebody else, that'll get you over the line. Yeah, right. That's not, you've still got to be able to play, but you know what I mean? Like there's so many, there's so many kids out there that are a very, very similar standard. And, you know, everybody asks, is, is he a good bloke? Is he a good guy to have in your club? And that will set you apart from the other 10 if you're, an out, if you're a standout in that area. And people in the industry just know. They know who to talk to to find this stuff out. Obviously, learning principles of what it takes to be a, a, an elite athlete then is pretty important. And that mm. comes, to some degree, comes down to lifestyle. So, you know, you'll get, you'll get guidance on, on the physical preparation stuff from people like you and, and staff that you work with. But... Mm. That stuff will only go so far. If your lifestyle's not right, then you'll, you'll probably waste a lot of it. Yeah, so okay. just, just being in a good routine with your lifestyle, I mean, you know, there's, footballers are athletes now. If you want to play in the AFL, you've got to have an athlete lifestyle. Mm. You can't afford to just be an old school footballer unless you mm. are absolutely a gun who can play while you're, you know, not sleeping well, not training well, out on the grog. So th those days are gone. So mm. finding out what, what an elite athlete lifestyle is, is a good start, but you still have to have a balance. The, ba the trick with the balance is to get, get with a peer group who isn't going to try and drag you away from that. Yeah. And so it can be really hard and you know, yeah. sometimes have to make some tough decisions where you say, that guy's diverging from, from where I want to go.
And that happens yeah. in life all the time. Yeah. And so, if, you know, if, you, if your best mate is just not interested in sport at all and he wants to go out every second night and you just start, you can't do it, then there's no point you trying to pull yourself apart. Sometimes you just got to make a decision to cut from that person or at least reduce the cut, the amount of time you spend with them so that yeah. you can start to live the lifestyle that you need to, to survive in the, in the elite sport world. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, I love that. That's some good takeaways. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, a, there's no specific exercise or, or yeah. specific, you know, bike session you do all, you'll get advice on that along the way, but you've yeah. got to set yourself up to be ready to absorb that and use it yep. in your life. And that's probably more important than turning up with, you know, some ridiculous beep test or something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And during your time, like hamstrings are one that gets popped up a lot in terms of its, prevalence in footy have you noticed that the methods and systems in place with through screening and testing wellness questionnaires you know all all that stuff that's done with the strength and medical team has it changed a lot over the last sort of 30 years or or is it and, <laughs> and how effective is have the changes been do you think the changes that have been made that you've seen uh, there, there have been significant changes and the changes don't just apply to hamstrings they apply to all injury management and that mm. is, the, and this is getting back to the original point about what makes a successful team, there's a consistent theme in good clubs where the coach, the head of strength and conditioning, the head of medical and the physio are all interacting closely because no rehab, and hamstrings are included in this and probably even more important, no rehab gets an optimal outcome without everybody on having their bit. Medical, yeah. stuff, is, medical stuff is very much at the early stage. Then, it, then there's a big overlap with strength and conditioning staff in the middle, and then strength and conditioning, less medical, more strength and conditioning coaching at the end. So the big change that's occurred is where we used to operate as an independent sort of department, where yeah. you treat an, injured, treat an injured player and then just let him go back into the program, whatever it was. Um, even off-site, even off-site. Yeah, yeah. So that, that player would disappear, and, 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 you know, unless you were aware of what the mainstream program is and what the coach's philosophy is, then it's hard to integrate that person back into that program. Mm. So if I, might, if I, I might say, listen, I want you to finish up doing a certain hamstring exercise, a, a hip thrust or whatever, yeah. and if it's already in the mainstream program and the guy was doing it just before he got injured, then it's not hard for him to drop it off and then come back into it. Yeah. But, you know, this happens more at recreational level. If mm. I apply an elite mentality to a recreational athlete, yeah. And I start giving them all these high-end high exercises that they've never done in their life before yeah. and, and expect that to be incorporated into a three- or four-week rehab. I'm kidding myself because I'm asking them to start from scratch with a conditioning program, not a, not a rehab program. And so exactly the same thing applies. So if I'm on board with you guys and the coaches, yeah. you know, I, I might demand X amount of greater than 95% intensity running at the end of my program, but I might look through the list of drills and it's in there. Mm. So I don't need to give that to the guy because I just say, go and do that drill. We've got GPS measures and we've got, and you'll get it out of that. So yeah. the big change, getting back to your original question, the big change has been, yes, there's been a change in expertise, but more than that, but there's been a change in integration. And, that, yeah. and that's, that's been the big thing. And so what we found in our stats in the AFL is that numbers of hamstring injuries have dropped but each episode is costing a little bit more time. But overall, the numbers and the recurrences are the same or less than what they've been over the last 20 or so years. Yeah. Because and the, the more demanding. 
and, and, and yeah, in parallel with that, the game's got way more demanding in a hamstring load sense. High intensity running, contact, jumping, bending for balls on the ground, all that stuff's gone up a notch. So the fact mm. we've kept the numbers under control is actually a fair achievement, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, no, that's really interesting, that integrated approach, how important it is, that team. And that sort of flowed on well from what you're talking about performance point of view. So injury prevention, performance, yeah, that yeah. sort of... So I'm going to blow your trumpet a bit here, Jack, because in the past, <laughs> well, in the past, in the past, as a physio, somebody like offering a service like you're offering didn't really exist. So we'd have to try and do all of that integration and uh, re reconditioning stuff ourselves. Some mm. physios are good at it, some aren't. So having somebody like you to bring into the program is actually quite valuable. So any yeah, listeners sure. out there, get a hold of Jack. He's a good man. Uh, thanks, Brucey. <laughs> I appreciate it, mate. <laughs> And how about player management? Has, has that changed over that you've seen? So, like, you know, in terms of individualization and, and how players have been managed in, the, in an able system from going from part time players where they would have been working or studying whatever they were doing as part time athletes to now full time athletes? Has, has the management of players changed a fair bit or is it, or are footballers managed yeah. more or less? No, definitely, same? definitely. It used to be football training used to be a collective thing that wherever you'd turn up and just do the same training which was probably appropriate for the middle 40 or 50% of the players. And then the outliers just either got undertrained or overtrained, depending on where they were at, or, yeah. or they, they weren't addressing their, they weren't addressing their weaknesses and they weren't training their strengths. They were just rolling through. Right. So yeah. that, that is the biggest change. We understand, firstly, we understand the demands of the game better. So we understand what we're preparing the guys to do. And we've got much better tools to then profile them to say, okay, well, this is, this is where you, this is where you've got to get to. But, but, but you're over here, so we've got to massage the program to get you to there if that's what, you, if that's what you're going to do. Whereas that, none of that individual assessment stuff really existed in the past. And it was, you know, you just join in training and, and sink or swim. And if you wanted to hide, you could hide. And if you wanted to push yourself hard, you could push yourself hard. But there's none of that anymore. You, each thing you do now has got a considered aim and it's generally individual based because we've got the expertise and the tools and the integration to do it now. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And, and so in terms of your physio work with, with the clinic that you've run for the last 26 years, I understand that you run that with another partner that also worked with at Essendon? I've actually got three partners. Three partners, and they're sorry, all, yeah. So Mark Fraser, who you may have heard of, he played over yeah. 100 games of AFL footy. He's been the physio for the umpires for several years. He's also been oh, head, head of the match review panel. He's done a lot of stuff in the AFL. So he's one partner. He's currently still, well, depending on COVID outcomes, I think he's still the AFL physio, AFL umpires. He's been an umpire too. He's still yep. the AFL umpires physio. Paul Wise was with me at Essendon for many years as a physio. Yeah. He's now sort of diverged into golf a bit and he's doing a bit of footy stuff. And we've got Emma Kranzberg, cool. who's, who's involved in netball at the elite level. And she's got two elite level daughters, twins, who actually were playing One's on the Vixens. She's a training partner with the Vixens and the other one's a VIS netball athlete. So we've got some pretty good expertise across the board in the clinic, as yeah. well as the other people who work for us. We've got three or four other people who work for us. One of whom's Anthony Fernan, yeah. who just started in the last two weeks. Oh, has he? Yes, oh, indeed. Another ex-AFL man. Yeah, what a team. The A-team yeah, just gets stronger. It's a, it's a solid team. That's yeah. So, mate. So we're trying to apply the clinic similar principles to what we're talking about, but obviously you can't do it to the same level. You just haven't got the time, nor has the person you're dealing with 
got the time within their day because they're not full time. But that doesn't mean you can't apply the same principles and the same thought processes. You just maybe take them down a notch in terms of detail. And as I said before, having people like you out there now available to use as a resource and a, and, a, and a link in the chain means that these people are getting pretty good servicing, even though they may not be anywhere near an elite club. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. And and just for those that are watching that might not have worked with a physio before, what would you say, you know, a quick little example of what the primary role is for a physio and, and maybe for a, for a footballer that hasn't seen a physio before, why should you see physio and, and book him with the physio? What circumstances? I think, well, I mean, in the private setting, it's all about injury management, but not many people come to us for a preventative program, really. So yeah. if you've been injured or, you, or you've got an injury that's persisting or, or you, you're, you're, something's, something's affecting your performance that you're not quite sure about that you think's a physical thing that's holding you back, mm. that's the sort of stuff we're qualified to assess. Obviously, with an acute injury, assess the injury, set a rehab program and get you going and then give advice as much as anything else as to, as to you know, what the next step is and, and potentially who to see for certain bits of it. We take a lot of people right through to the end of ACL re rehabs. Some of them have got access to other staff who can help them, some of them haven't. But I guess our primary role is to, is to diagnose and, and treat an injury right through the phases of acute you know, rehab and then return to play. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, awesome, mate. And what, what are you excited about for 2021? I know you've, you're back at the Bombers, back at the team <laughs> that you support. And, which is Supported. I've been a Hawks supporter for eight years. Oh, you switched? Yeah, yeah and I've got uh, my, my daughter's a hardcore Hawks supporter and she's not happy with me. But anyway, the interesting thing is that uh, even though I did grow up an Essen supporter, when I left Essendon was about the time they left Windy Hill and went up to the airport. So what I'm walking into is a, a totally foreign environment. It's not, yes, there's red and black, but apart from that, the physical environment's different. The staff that I'm working with, most of them I don't know very well. A few of them I do, but not many. Yep. And so it's exciting because of the unknown in a lot of ways. And, you know, there's a, I don't, know, I don't know, hardly know any of the players. So it's very, very stimulating in terms of working out how, how people are interacting, where I fit in with that, not wanting to upset the apple cart because they're running reasonably well as it is, but working out where my input fits in. So, it's, yeah, it's quite exciting. Yeah, and you'll be a team of three physios there. Is that right? We've got three physios and one physio who's, in the, who's a rehab physio. So Ash uh, yeah. Lynch is a yeah. rehab physio. Yeah. Brady Green, Nick Kane's going to be the head physio and I'm going to be a senior, I don't know what you call it, senior physio as part of that team working in with the, with the physios and the docs. Fantastic. And hopefully making some sort of contrib contribution to them, which should be good. Um, no doubt you will, mate. No doubt you will. And for those that are watching, feel free to send through any questions. You can do that by pressing the question mark button button at the bottom. Uh, we've got a couple through Brucey. So this one's from Ewan. Do you have to be a good footballer to even have a chance of getting on onto Essendon? Into Essendon in what capacity? Into Essendon, yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. So uh, not sure how to answer that. Need more specifics. And this one, do you think an exercise science degree is necessary in finding a career in either strength conditioning or physiotherapy? So if you did exercise science, can you, can you go from exercise science to then do your master's in physio? Directly? Or do you have to, I, I I think you have to do your do, master's? I don't think so. Yeah, you have to do master's I don't think so. The, the short answer to that is it certainly helps because if you have an understanding of exercise physiology uh, and exercise science, you can then be part of that overlap into the, 
mid stages of rehab and the return to play because that it becomes the physical preparation program again. So it certainly helps. And people who've been in sports physio for a long time, generally, whether they've got a formal education or just through being in the field, have generally have a pretty good knowledge of that because you can't communicate with the other people in the team unless you do. Yeah. So even if you don't give direct advice, you certainly need to understand it. And so, yes, it'd help. It's, yeah. not, it's not essential, but it certainly would help, yeah. Did, this is a random one, but did physios start working in football before fitness guys? Or had, had, what, what was the sort uh, of? Yes is the short answer, but not by long. So as I right. said, in my career, we had, a, we had a fitness guy who worked for Essendon, but he was pretty much told what to do by Sheeds. I hope he's not listening. He's, he's getting on a bit now, Peter Power. But anyway, so we, we essentially had the doctor, the physio, and, and the coach. And then gradually over time, the strength and conditioning role expanded. So as I said, that was part-time until 1990. I think Loris Bertolacci was the first full-timer in 1995 when he got employed by Collingwood. So right, from, okay. then on, from then on, yeah. it, it exponentially went up in terms of staff appointments and stuff. So strength and conditioning input really kicked off in the mid-90s and then it really took off. Were physios, when, when fitness guys weren't on footy clubs, were physios taking on a bit of the physical preparation stuff or was it just sort of done by oh, coaches? And It varied depending on who. See, back then the coach did everything on the track. Yeah, yeah, okay. And you had a, we did have a specific weights coach who just to took the guys through a pretty basic weights program. But you've got to remember back then, the guys were going from, from the training track, which started at 5.30 in the afternoon, mm. sometimes on the track for three hours, then they were expected to go into the gym after that. So the quality of what was going on in the gym wasn't particularly good. Um, and it was usually the guys who enjoyed it who stayed there, and the guys who didn't want to lift weights didn't last long in the gym. They just wandered off. So it wasn't until the late 90s when players started to become full-time that that changed. Yeah. And so thing, yes, the, the short answer is the physios did give some advice, but not much, no. Yeah, and then I've noticed the last five years anyway, but probably you've seen been around for a lot longer, so you, I don't know how you've seen it, but I've noticed physios in S&C sort of interconnect now. Like Some S&Cs might be a rehab guy at a, yeah. at a club, and then some physios will be the rehab guy, and then some physios have an S&C background first, or they might be a physio first, and then they, they're an S&C. It seems to be something that there's you know, interest there yeah. for, for both parties. Where you, and that you just, know, that just emphasises what I was saying about unless you've got integration of those, you can't have separate departments with separate people doing separate things. There's just too much yeah. overlap. And so, yeah. you know, if, if you want to set up a strength program and I want to set up, set up a preventative injury program... Do it together. The two, the two could look exactly the same, yeah. which is ideal. And you, you both yeah. walk away saying, well, we've put our heads together and here's your weights program. It'll mm. get you strong and it'll stop you getting injured. Yeah, and I guess that's like you're saying, you know, for developing physios out there watching this, you mentioned, you know, get into those environments, ask questions, you know, be curious and learn and get your yeah. experience. But I guess on that note, it's not just speaking to only physios. You want to be integrated, don't you, by learning off other professionals. It, in fact, it's nearly almost more important to get in and speak to strength and conditioning guys because that is, that is probably the weakness in the physio course unless you go on yeah. and do a postgraduate in sports. And even then you probably don't get a lot of work in the field like you guys do. Sure. There's a lot yeah. of physios who would never have taken a person through an exercise program, stood next to them and watched them do exercises and progress them through from an initial assessment to, a, you know, to an outcome stage. Yeah. Oh, it's exactly the same as like trying to get a fitness guy to screen a, a hamstring. They're the extreme ends of the spectrum, but you know, there's so much overlap. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
Oh, well, thanks, Bruce. Thanks for uh, for joining me tonight. It was a really good chat. I, I certainly got Pleasure. a lot out of it, and, and I'm sure heaps more will as well. And it, it is recorded, so if you joined us late, which I know a few people jumped in as we are going, you can watch this on my IGTV. Simone's written, Go Bruce, Champion Physio. Simone Austin there. So <laughs> there you go. Mate. Hello, so Simone. Give you a pump up. But no, it was fantastic, mate. Thanks for chatting and all the best with your, your, the rest of the year with the clinic. And when does it start at Essendon? Is, it, is there a date? Uh, first, the first week of December. First so of the, December. Uh, the one to four year guys come back for two weeks before yep. Christmas and then the whole squad starts on the 6th of January. Oh, awesome, mate. You'll be a huge asset. So exciting. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Chad. Good luck. Thanks for having me. Catch you soon, mate. Okay. Thank you. Bye.